define what temptation is. I don't think we need to define it. We all feel it, right? We, we usually know uh, when we feel that particular draw or that uh, particular nudge. Um, but I think we have categories of temptation. I think we kind of think of temptation in a, a couple of different ways. Like we, we have the non-serious category of temptation, right? The one that doesn't really bother us a lot. If you uh, are tempted by chocolate, or if you are tempted by cake, or if you're tempted by donuts, or if you're tempted by chocolate cake donuts, like we know it's a thing. Like we feel it. We walk into the bakery and we feel it. Uh, our car goes to the bakery. We feel it. We're drawn to it. But, but we don't think that's going to ruin our lives, right? Okay. Admittedly, it. Taken to an extreme, it could be problematic. But just in general, we don't think of that as, as a real problem. Maybe it's not chocolate cake donuts for you. Maybe, maybe it's shopping or sales or Amazon. And, and again, taken to the extreme, that's a problem for your budget, right? Maybe a problem for your marriage. Who knows? But, but Amazon by itself, is, is, it's not a huge problem. But, but we use the idea of temptation when it comes to those sort of issues in our life. Maybe yours is something else. Maybe it's, maybe it's Netflix or coffee or true crime podcasts or whatever your thing is. You know, I, I am tempted by these. And what we mean when we use temptation in this way is we mean I really like it. I really like it. I don't think it's hurting anybody. Um, uh, it's just kind of part of who I am. It's my personality. I, I just like it. I'm a little obsessed with it. I like it. And, and, and we don't see much danger in that. And, and it's true. There's not much danger. Let's just go, say, go ahead and say at the beginning, anything taken to an extreme is dangerous. But most of those things, we just like them. We do them often. <clears throat> but then there's what, what we would consider serious temptation, right? biblical the temptation, the kind of temptation we talk about in church. But I think even with that temptation, we have categories for it. When we think temptation, we tend to think of the really big ones or the really bad ones, right? Sexual sin, that category, definitely don't want to be tempted in that area. Things that might lead to substance abuse, like addiction, that's a category that we go, whoa, we need to stay away from that. Really big financial mistakes, like the kind that land you in jail. We know I don't need to do that one. So temptation, when we think of serious, uh, in a serious way, we think of things that will alter my life if I get caught doing this, ruin my marriage, ruin my future, land me in jail, which is true. All of that you should stay away from. But temptation in the Bible is not reserved for the really big ones. It's for anything that draws us away from from God's purposes in our life, anything, right? We can be tempted to anger. We can be tempted to greed. We can be, we can be tempted toward a, a critical attitude or spirit that turns into negativity that becomes bitterness. We can be tempted towards unforgiveness. Uh, we can be tempted toward pride. That's a really subtle one, isn't it? Pride, arrogance this is a really subtle temptation in our life. So as, as we're working our way through this series... Let's keep in mind not to categorize sin or disobedience, but temptation is anything that draws me away from what God is trying to do 
in my life. I, I read one definition this week <clears throat> about, sin, about temptation that defined it as the impulse to, towards sin, the impulse towards disobedience, that little nudge, right? That, it, the impulse towards disobedience. It comes in a lot of different packages. It comes in a lot of different forms. Some of it is very subtle, uh, sometimes beginning with just a thought. The thought of, I wonder, right? What if? I don't think I would get caught. I know people who haven't been caught, right? It's, sometimes it's really, really subtle. It just sort of plays on our mind and our imagination. And sometimes, if we're honest, temptation is very powerful. In the moment, it's very overwhelming. There can be times that we experience temptation and it feels like we can't say no. Like it is that powerful. It comes in all forms, but it is essentially this impulse, this nudge, this desire, this attraction, this moment. And you and I need to develop the ability to resist that, to resist what's happening that would lead us away from God's best for our lives. Why? Why should we resist that? Probably a lot of reasons. We're going to start the series with just two. Most importantly, if you're a follower of Christ, most importantly is because God's holy and God calls us to be holy. He calls us to walk in holiness. Right? We're not perfect. We're fallen. We'll be perfect one day. God's going to make us like Christ, perfect in every way. One day, this is not that day, we have weaknesses, we, we are broken and fallen, so we aren't perfect, but we serve a perfect God. We serve a holy God, and all throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, God keeps calling people to righteousness, right? Calling people to obedience, showing the consequences of disobedience. We, we walk with a holy God, serve a holy God, called us to be holy, and I get it, if you're not a follower of Christ, maybe that's not motivating to you, I understand that. If you are a follower of Jesus, this should be highly motivating to you. That this is the God that we serve, and this is what God calls us to. Second reason, you and I should resist the impulses or temptations that we face is because the desires and commands of God, what God wants for us, is actually good for us. Right? In both a spiritual sense and a practical sense. Even if you're not a believer in Jesus, if you haven't committed your life to Jesus, most of the things that the Bible describes as sin in the Bible, it's to your advantage to pay attention to those. It would benefit your life if you paid attention to those. If you prioritize those, if you obeyed those, and certainly if you are a follower of Christ, God, God wants you to flourish. He wants you to grow. He, he wants the absolute best for you. He wants to protect you from the consequences of decisions that could wreck and ruin your life and your relationship. God is not trying to trip you up. God is not trying to make life miserable for you. God is trying to lead you into the best life. Jesus called it the abundant life. God is trying to lead you into the greatest life experience possible. And one of the ways he does that is set parameters. He says no to some things and yes to other things. So again, you and I need to develop this ability to resist 
the temptations that we face, the impulses that we face. Now, let, let me say a quick word about impulses and sin uh, because the reality is the impulses that we experience are different from the sin. Right? The impulses that we experience are different from the actual sin. You and I are going to feel desires. We're, we're going to feel attractions. We're going to have thoughts. We're going to have moments where we feel that tug that is not the same as the sin itself, but that sets our lives and our minds in a direction to move towards that sin. We, we, again, we are fallen, we are broken. We live in a fallen, broken world. And as a result, we are going to feel certain things. The question is, what are we going to do with the feeling once it's there? What are we going to do with the thought once we have it? What are we going to do with the impulse once we've experienced? Uh, there's a... Um, <clears throat> people sometimes experience what's called impulsivity which impulsivity is just responding without any thought of the consequences. Like, I feel I want to do something, so I do it. I don't ever think about what doing this will lead to. I feel it, I have a feeling, I have an impulse, I respond to that impulse, I don't ask any questions, right? Have you ever met a middle schooler? Right? They feel it, and it's done. They think it, and they say it. Right? And then two days later, maybe they think about the consequences. You know, th this happens to some people, even in a general sense, not just in a spiritual sense. Some people struggle with this because they're always responding to impulse. They never take a moment to ask whether I should do this. Right? This front part of our brain, that's what it's for. Prefrontal cortex, right? That's what it's for. It solves problems. And it controls impulses. So when I feel something, that impulse is supposed to pass through the front of my brain, and my brain is supposed to say, don't do that. Don't, like, really, don't do that. You're, this is going to be a mess if you do that. And for some people, that never happens. In a general sense, that never happens. They feel an impulse. They respond. There's no thinking about it. When it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to spiritual temptation... You and I have to develop the ability to realize, yes, I'm going to feel some things. I'm going to think some things. I'm going to have certain desires, maybe even attractions. That's got to pass through something that says to me, do not act on what you feel. I have to decide, will what I know dictate whether I act on what I feel? Or will what I feel dictate what I act? regardless of what I know. We, we know some. God's been clear about some things. God, God has been clear about some things for our benefit, for our best. Let's go to James. James is close to the end of the Bible. Really short book. James is the brother of Jesus. And uh, he writes a, a really practical book about our faith and how do we live out our faith in, in everyday life. He deals with this issue of temptation in chapter 1. This is verse 13. James says, when tempted, which is a good place to start, right? He doesn't say, if you're tempted, you might be tempted, could be tempted, occasionally, possibly, maybe. You know, he says, it's going to happen to all of us. And, and when it happens, when tempted, 
No one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. If we're looking for where temptation comes from, if we're trying to guard against it, I want to be on guard, where is it coming from? James removes one place from the beginning, and it's this place. We can't blame God for our temptations. Right, right off the bat, he says, all right, let's get that idea out of your head. Now, you, you can't say, God, why did you do this to me? All right, God, you let this happen. James says, no, 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 no. That's not where temptation comes from. God's, God's not trying to trip you up. He's not trying to trick you. It's coming from somewhere else. It's not coming from God. James goes on. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Right? Now, this is progression. Starts with desire. We've been calling it impulse. And James doesn't immediately assign sin to that. He just says, this is where it starts. Desire, impulse. If you don't do something with it, it will keep growing. If, if you don't say no up here, it will begin to change and morph and get bigger. He uses this, uh, this metaphor of pregnancy, right? It will conceive, he says. It will grow. With, with, with pregnancy, it is possible uh, to keep that hidden for a little while, isn't it? Like you don't know, everybody else doesn't know immediately. But even though other people don't know, something is still growing in the darkness, right? Something is getting bigger. And, and in real pregnancy, it's a wonderful thing that's getting bigger, right? It's, it's, you, you're you're going to have all of this joy, right? Family memories, like your whole family's going to be different and better, and it's going to be wonderful. Now you're waiting for this wonderful thing to grow, and at the end of that process, James, James is telling us, like, you have life. Like, life comes forth. But when it's desire, when it's impulse, when it's temptation, and you just let it grow, what's going to happen is not life. Death is going to come from that. By death, it doesn't mean physical death. He means brokenness. He, he, he means relationships that can't be repaired. He means a, a future that has now been forever altered. That sort of broken, irreparable death settles in when you and I don't deal with desire at the first point. It just grows. It gets bigger. It gets harder to contain. James uses two words to describe how this desire works on us. He uses the word entice and drag. Right? Temptation, impulses, they entice us in the sense that they, they lure us, they bait us. We look at some things and we think, oh, that's nice. That would be nice. I like that. I want that. So there is an enticing, a luring aspect to temptation, but then he uses the word drag, that sort of overwhelming, pushing. I feel like I don't have control, and what I see happen is those two work in tandem, right? Uh, like tag team wrestlers. What begins with enticement 
Well, it begins with luring, shifts over to dragging. I, I was once enticed, but now I'm being dragged. I, I once had, I thought, some control over where this was going, and I, and I think I've kind of lost control now. Yeah, James says this, this is why it's so sinister what happens in our desires we get pulled along and then one one day we wake up and realize i'm no longer controlling this i'm getting pushed in this direction this is overwhelming right now back to the uh pregnancy example most couples choose to keep pregnancy hidden for a short period of time right and and that's wise and 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 that's smart i'd recommend it but there comes a point where you just can't hide this thing anymore, right? It's, everybody is beginning to realize. Now, I have learned not to ask the question. <laughs> Learn from my mistakes, all right? Unless you have verifiable sources, you never want to begin a conversation with a woman with the phrase, when are you due, right? <laughs> Ever. Take it from me. But let's be honest, there comes a point where it's really obvious. Like everybody, I'm still not asking the question at that point, but it's really odd. We all know what's going on. And at least by the point that there's another member in your family, we've all figured it out, right? Whether you told us or not, we figured it out because there used to be three of you, now there's four of you. That's kind of what James is saying. You can hide this in the darkness for a while. Conception is, is hidden. You don't have to talk about it. You have to tell anybody. But if you don't address this in your life, others are going to see it. Others are going to know. And maybe it takes longer than nine months. Maybe it takes longer than a year. Maybe it takes a really long time, but you just can't keep this hidden forever. You can't control this forever and that's why at the impulse stage at the desire stage you and i need the spiritual strength to say i need to stop now what what helps us with that it helps if you and i know what causes that temptation in us like if we can identify this is where it's coming from there are a lot of ways to answer this question, and we will probably answer it in some different ways as we go through this series. I want to talk about four places that temptation can either come or it can be encouraged in your life. Here's place number one, other people. It's one of the places that temptation comes into our life, other people. Um, all of us, I, I bet, uh, can at least think back on a time where there was someone who encouraged things in our life that should not be encouraged. And we found it easier to say yes to those things when we were with that person. We had a much more difficult time resisting what was wrong because of that person. Some, sometimes temptation comes through other people, the people that we're hanging around with, the, the people that we're closest Two, and we need distance between ourselves and that person. I'm not saying you should only hang out with perfect people because there aren't any of those. Uh, I, I'm not saying that you can't be friends with someone who's not a believer. Of course you can be. I'm saying when it comes to temptation, you and I need some real sober honesty. 
about what causes that desire to happen in our hearts. We need to be really honest with ourselves and really honest with God, especially if other people are involved. If the desire is stronger when you're with that person, you need to recognize that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And then, I love this phrase, Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. Like, he's just real direct. Come on. Knock it off. Wake up. Come back to your senses and stop doing that. You're with the wrong people. Come back. Remember the story of Samson? Do you remember the Old Testament story? Samson's a judge, just kind of a train wreck of a life. But there towards the end of his life, he meets Delilah and falls in love with her. And they start dating. And then there's this whole scene where Delilah keeps saying to Samson, tell me where your strength comes from. And so every time he would tell her, she would then do that to him. And he lied the first couple of times, and so she, you know, pouted and cried and said, No, really tell me where your strength comes. And he kept giving her answers, and she kept doing the same thing to him. And if you have ever read that story, if you have ever heard that story, you've had the same moment that I have. The moment where you wanted to say, Samson, I, I think you need to dump this girl. Like, you know, I'm no relationship expert, but I'm pretty sure she's bad for you. And we know how it ends. He doesn't do that. Like All throughout the Bible, we have these examples of, of, of people who were led away by other people. Proverbs 5 through 9. Solomon is trying to encourage his son not to be led into sexual sin. And he personifies temptation as a woman calling out in the street trying to seduce men, trying to lure men into sexual sin. And we all see the irony there, don't we? Uh, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 lovers besides his 700 wives. I don't think one woman in the street was Solomon's problem. Right? Nonetheless, the point is still true. That there are people who will call to us, men and women, young and old, at every stage of our life. There are people who will call to us and try to lure us away from the life that God wants us to live. You and I need to be tuned into that. Second place, environment, right? Probably doesn't need a lot of explanation. For some of us, at different seasons in our life, there are places we go that we find it more difficult to resist the impulses and temptations that we face. When we find ourselves here, it's more difficult to say no. And often, one and two work together, right? We go to a certain place, and a certain group of people are at that place, and the place and the people make it more difficult for us to say no. You just got to be honest with yourself. Again, we got categories. We, 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 we think, well, this is not that bad. Well, that's not that bad. Or we think, I'm in control. Can, can I share something honestly with you? This is true of me, and I think it's true of you. We overestimate our strength when it comes to resisting temptation. We overestimate, especially those temptations that you are uniquely tempted by. 
We, we all have a unique pattern. We're not all tempted by the same thing. We're not all, not all tempted by this at the same place. But for that unique set of temptations that you have and I have, we all overestimate our ability to say no. You see, when, when we know that there are people at a certain place who pull us away from the things of God, the approach is not, well, I should be strong enough. I should be able to handle it. No, you probably should just stay away. You, you probably should resist. You probably should flee, as the Bible says. You probably should run away. This is not a, I should be stronger. I should be able to handle it sort of mentality. It's a, I probably can't handle this. I need to be honest about my own weaknesses, and I need to run away. Third place, the temptation comes. The devil. But we have an enemy. We do have an enemy that wants to destroy your life. If God already has your soul, the, the enemy wants to destroy your life here as much as possible. He wants to destroy your relationships, destroy your, relation, your uh, future, destroy your hopes and dreams. There is a spiritual battle component to temptation that we don't always recognize. Okay, And you know, if you come to our church, you know me, I, I don't see demons behind every bush. I don't blame everything on the devil. But there is a reality that there are spiritual forces that want to work against you, that want to destroy you and me, that want to destroy our future, our relationships, our testimony, our walk with the Lord. We, we, we can't ignore that fact. That force is there. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. You got to get away. You got to see it when it happens. You got to feel it. You got to know what it is. You got to get away. A little bit later in James, where we're reading in James 4, he says, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist him. Get away. Prayer is an act of resistance. Being in God's word is an act of resistance. Obedience is an act of resistance. Worship is is an act of resistance. Resist the devil and what he wants to do in you. People can lure us away. Environments can lure us away. The devil is working actively to lure us away. Number four, the one we probably have to watch out for the most is ourselves. Ourselves. Me. I'm not discounting the, the problem that other people can be in pulling us away from the things of the Lord. I'm not discounting environments and, and the sway they sometimes have over us. I'm not discounting the spiritual battle that is very real. But the truth is, your biggest problem is you, and my biggest problem is me. Our biggest struggle is what's going on inside of us. Remember what James said? We read it just a minute ago. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own desire. Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own desire. What's happening in your heart? What's happening in my heart? Back to Solomon, right? Hundreds of wives, hundreds of lovers on the side. Let's not blame this on one woman calling in the street. 
Solomon, you've got a problem. There's something going on in your heart. And that's not, let's not blame her for what's going on in your heart, Solomon. I mean, the hard thing is sometimes we just kind of look in the mirror. We've got to say, no, this is going on in me. This is something I've not dealt with. This is an area I haven't addressed in me. They're led away by their own desires. It's much easier to blame things outside of me. It's way easier to blame another person, to blame the media, to blame movies, to blame social media, to blame our culture. Well, our culture puts all of this in front of us. It's so much easier to blame things outside of me. It's their fault. It's that fault. It's yoga pants. It's whatever. It's that. It's this. It. No, no, really? The problem's me. The problem's my desires need, desires need to be dealt with. That's the harder work. That's, the, that's harder even than moving away from people who are attempting you, which we already said, that's a good idea. That's harder work than getting out of the environment, even though that may be a piece of it. It's harder to look in the mirror and say, you have a problem with this issue that you've got to let God address. You have to let God deal with. Stop blaming everybody else for your desires that you've mismanaged. Now, the, the, the wonderful truth that we will keep coming back to, I promise you, in this series, because this series could have a kind of a, a, a negative tone to it. I, I want us to keep coming back to this reality that God's grace is sufficient for any of those failures that temptation leads us into. I mean, that's the glorious truth about our God. I, I don't understand how His grace is so unlimited and His forgiveness is so infinite, but it is. And, and even when I give in, and even when I give in over and over again, God's grace is sufficient for my forgiveness and for, for setting me free and, and giving me a second chance. That is absolutely true. It's also true that God's grace is sufficient to strengthen us to not keep, it, keep making that same mistake. That's part of God's grace too. It's part of God's good grace that he would give us the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, who the Bible says has the power to raise Jesus from the dead, and that power lives in you so that you can live out the calling that God has given you in this life. That's a part of God's good grace. So on the one hand, we accept the grace of God when we fail for forgiveness of any sin that we commit or any temptation we've given into. We receive God's forgiveness for that, but we also know that God's grace is there to strengthen us the next time we struggle, to walk with us the next time we're tempted. He's just that good. He loves you just that much that he calls you into this life of wonderful, beautiful obedience to him. God, help us to receive grace in all of these areas of our life. The, the wonderful grace that for our failures, and all of us have many of them, and we continue to make them, and for everyone, your grace is sufficient and your forgiveness is real. You let us start over. But help us also to live in the grace that 
makes us strong for the next battle. The grace that, that makes us able to resist the next time we're tempted. That's grace too. God, help us to deal honestly with the impulses and desires that we feel. Whatever they are, wherever they happen, through whomever they come, help us to be honest. Not to overlook it, not to dismiss it, not to think that we've got this under control. To be honest and to resist. That our lives would more fully glorify you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.